human beings, welcome to the inaugural, the Triple C and Schmo Show. I'm the Schmo, my co-host, he needs no introduction. He's one of the most, if not the most, accomplished mixed martial arts athletes of all time. He's the only one with an Olympic gold medal and a champ champ, two-weight division champion, Henry Cejudo, the messenger. Let's go. Let's go. This isn't going to be just any other typical show, man. We're going to have a lot of segments. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to inform. We're going to entertain. It's going to be unpredictable. And uh, let's start this thing off, man, because you're an Olympic gold medalist. I don't think the audience knows that enough, though, man. You're an Olympic gold medalist. You're right, youngest in history, 2008, Shmo. What's up? Let's go. Let's go. So it's only right if we start doing this thing off with segments that put the gold, the silver, the bronze, and the limelight. Let's start off with this. We call this the gold medal moment. Volkanovski Ortega. It all went down Saturday evening. The schmo thinks it's the fight of the year. What's your takeaway, Volkanovski and still against Ortega? I tell you what, Schmo, as much as I don't want to give Alexander the average credit, I'm gonna to have to say it's not only it's not only the fight of the year, it might be the best fight in UFC history. I mean, these guys displayed an art of stand-up. They displayed wrestling. They displayed jiu-jitsu. They displayed grit. I mean, you're talking about two of the most competitive guys came together. And like I said before, this this is this is easily not even a candidate. This is the fight of the year. Definitely I'm talking the- about this could potentially be the the one of the best fights in UFC history. Period. Hey, the Schmo still thinks that Whaley and Joanna from the other year is a better overall fight. Let's just say because you could score that either way. Did you give Ortega? Which rounds did you give Ortega winning this fight? The Schmo. I didn't give Ortega any of the rounds. But the reason why I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to pick Brian Ortega and Alexander the Average. The reason why, Schmo, I'm going to put the number one is because during the fight of Joanna and uh, Whaley, that's it was they they they, they probably just should have signed up for a Muay Thai fight. As a fighter, I love the aspect of what they brought. Yeah, uh, Alexander Volkanovski did beat him, but it wasn't a total it wasn't a total domination. I mean, look at look at both of their faces. I mean, you're talking about Alexander Alexander had cuts on his left and right eye, and obviously you know. Brian Ortega, man, he looked like he just he just didn't look so well. I mean, he had wolves everywhere. So that's the only reason why, Schmo, that I would say this is probably the greatest fight in history. The Schmo saw some sort of statistic that Ortega and his two championship fights, now with Holloway and now with Volkanovski, he's absorbed nearly as many significant shots as Volkanovski in his 10 fights in the UFC. That's got to say something. But we will say this, though, too. In that third round, that guillotine choke, it was tight. And that moment right there, that Volkanovski, he felt like, hey, he might be losing right there. He had to dig, dig deep down in those championship moments. Remember when he fought Marlon Moraes? Show everybody that scar. Rip that shirt up. Come on, let's see I that. I tell man. you what, and you got to credit. I got to credit. As much as I don't like Alexander the Average... The overgrown midget, the decision maker, Alexander Baldo. I am going just to have to give him credit because I know when I fought Marlon Marias, like I literally, I remember throwing that that jab in the first round, completely blowing my shoulder out. I mean, literally, guys, look, I have a second butt crack here. But it was a grit, it was a termination, it was the fact that both of these guys were accustomed to talking stuff. Being together for six weeks, 
There's a lot of animosity. There was a lot of pride in that fight. And when he got hit with that choke, which kudos to Brian, it was tight. It was about as tight as your underwear, Schmo, but not tight enough to give you that bleeding wedgie that you like. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, we got to give credit to Alexander the Average. He came out of it. He proved what it's like to be a winner. And I go back to my fight with Demetrius Johnson when, the, when I literally sprained my ankle with Mom Rhymes when I completely blew my shoulder out. That's part of being a winner. He showcased that championship pedigree. Now let's talk about this little feud, man. The schmo was there. We were just sipping up our coffee in the back room. That press conference last night, the post-fight press conference, it kind of ended with you, Triple C, man. As long as we're bringing up tweets, uh, Henry Cejudo said he's coming back. Fuck Henry Cejudo. Alexander the Average in response to him. What do you say? He's coming back to take out Alexander the Average. No, mate, he's fucking, he's called out everyone. Like, I mean... Call out females, he's called out, you know what I mean? Like, what you actually believe the shit that comes out of his mouth? Nah, don't worry about him. Thanks, man. I'll squash the little germ. You tweeted of course, something out there. Calling him out, man. C4. Schmo. You want that smoke? Come on. Of, of course, man. My question is does this overgrown midget, does this overgrown baboo want the, sh want the smoke from King Triple C? I tell you what, they can call me a lot of things. I've been called a gold digger. I've been called the son of a gold. I've been called the snake catcher. I've been called the mousetrap. I've been called the greatest combat athlete of all time. But I have never been called C4. So Alexander the Average, if you don't think being the youngest Olympic champion in history, if you don't think being the greatest uh, fighter of all time at Demetri Johnson with the most title defenses in UFC history, which was 11, if you don't believe me beating TJ Dillashaw, Dominic Cruz, Marais, Within, within two to three rounds, man, you're crazy, man. My wrestling pedigree, my, my, the fact that I've done things in two different sports, man. If you think that you can take out King Triple C, man, sign that dotted line. There's one thing, Schmo, that I will tell you. Dana White did say, I will never doubt this kid. I will never doubt Henry Cejudo. I'm the reason why they, they saved the, the flyweight division. That's right, me, King Triple C. The only thing that I ask for Alexander, the average, and Dana White, or should I say Dana Bald, is give me the opportunity, man. Give me the opportunity to become the first fighter in UFC history to hold three belts. That's right. I said three belts. You give me the opportunity, I will, I will humanly, I will give him that human sacrifice in Australia amongst all you people. I will make him bend the knee. So let's say it right here, right now. We're going to put you on the spot. This is the debut episode of the Triple C and Schmo Show. We were there. The Schmo was there in Jacksonville, USC 249. You beat Dominic Cruz. You retire right there. Would you come out of retirement? You got a child on the way, baby America. If that one fight is for C4, Alexander Volkanovsky, would you come out of retirement and fight this man? Of course, man, 100%. I'm dropping the bomb here now. On the Triple C and the Schmo Show. Because you know why? To me, it's all about making it's all about making legacy, man. Yeah, I'm after that bag of money. I do want that. But there's only one fight that matters. Hate the cringe. Do whatever you want. But you know what? You cannot deny what I've done in sports. Not in MMA, but in sports. In both sports. You imagine that, Schmo? A three-division world champ. Three different weight classes. Two different sports. Uh, Two-sport Hall of Fame. First ballot. Come on, guys. Give me my credit. That's all I want to do, Schmo, is compete. That's I want fights that people do not believe that I could win. 
And the thing is, is I know I could beat a, uh, I know I could beat a Max Holloway. I know that I could beat a Volkanovski. I just need the shot. Give me the opportunity, and I promise you, Alexander the Average, Alexander Baldo will bend the knee to King Triple C. All right, then hang on one second. We got to go tell Uncle the Boss Man Dana White that uh, we got to make a fight. All right, no, no. That's a good way, man. That's a good way. We like it. Oh, good way to open the gold medal moment. Let's move on to the silver medal moment of the evening. It was the return, the people's main event. They were calling it before the fight started. Robbie Lawler against Nick Diaz, a rematch that took, like, what, 15 years in the making? What did you make of that fight? Oh, man, you know, as much as I love Nick Diaz, I knew that that could have possibly been the outcome. That's exactly what happened. I mean, but, man, there's something about the Diaz brothers. You talk about that Mexican heart. That stuff is ingrained in them, Schmo. I mean, think about it. You imagine a, a six, a, really a seven-year layoff for, for, for Nick Diaz, for him not to come back and, and to fight a killer like Robbie Lawler and to be able to last. Like, when people were asking, were you disappointed that he quit? I'm like, no, he didn't quit. He just respected the game that much. You know, he knew that he knew that Tag caught up with them. And he says, you know what, man, I've been in too many of these battles. You know, we're going to give it to Robbie Lawler uh, this night. But I do believe if they fight against Schmo, I do believe Nick Diaz will beat Robbie Lawler. I promise you. Everything looked like it was in slow motion there. He was like throwing everything with 60%, but it was accurate. And he was getting Robbie to lock forward, and then he'd be able to throw off combinations. The Schmo loved when he was attacking the body, the liver shot. It was there. And also, man, you could just smell the arena when he was walking out. It changed. You knew the Diaz's were in the building. It was electric. The T-Mobile arena was rocking with Nick Diaz, just like it did with Nate Diaz over there in Arizona in his most recent fight. These Diaz brothers, man, they're star power to them. So you do, Triple C, want to see Nick Diaz return again. You want to see Of course, again. of course, Schmo, and I would love it. I mean, you were there. You were front. You know, you had front row seats, man. I'm, I'm kind of jelly, to be quite honest with you. But of course, man, and I think he should get another crack at Robbie Lawler. He was hitting him with those shots. I mean, he was going to the body. He was super composed. It was not a shot that Robbie really hurt him with or dazed him with. It was just a question of exhaustion. It was the fact that he's been out for six to seven years, guys. You guys give him some credit. I mean, this dude is, and I don't like to throw out the word legend. I, I hate throwing out that word, but I'm going to tell you right now. Nick Diaz is a legend, man. He's a, he's a former Strike Force champion. He's fought the best Pride Pride champion as well. And then look at what he's able to do, man. Like you, you're you're fighting a top contender and Robbie Lawler, a former champion, and to be able to hurt him like that, you know, it's just a matter of time. I think Nick, if you're watching this, for all you fans, I say you I say you make a trilogy right now, Schmo. They're one and one, or should I say Juan and Juan? I say I, I, I say the third match, you know, seizes the deal. And I think and I I truly do believe in my heart with a little bit more time, Nick Diaz will beat him. We like it. Now let's move on to the bronze medal moment. You don't know anything about these bronze medals, triple C or these silver medals, by the way. We just no, I have to it. move down the podium here. Now let's talk about John Bones Jones. The Schmo was there on the red carpet. Moments before the Hall of Fame induction ceremony where that fight was Gustafsson, it was getting inducted, man. Johnny Bones Jones, he was looking great. He was joking with the media. He was happy, man. He was weighing at 260. He was thick. 
And then, yeah. hours later, man, he gets arrested, man. Misdemeanor, domestic battery, some assault, there's some car theft going on, uh, damage, <laughs> rather. I mean, obviously, all the facts aren't out there yet, but listen, man, he was booked in jail here in Las Vegas, released on bond later that day. What do you think? Ah, man, Shmo, that's a hard one, man, because like, you always try to respect legends like John Jones that have done things, but... He just seems to just keep getting in trouble. You know what I mean? I think he, uh, I think he probably needs to go see a psychologist, man. Now, honestly, like if it, if it was to come, if I was his brother to tell, like, man, there's, there's something deep rooted that kind of has to completely. There has to be a metamorphosis, man, the changing of a, of the mind. Because how can you go from the Hall of Fame, and uh, not even maybe six hours later, you're at the city hall, man? You know, seeing a judge. I mean, this is this is John Jones, but like, I don't think at this point, Schmo, nobody's surprised. I think me as a fighter, which which I consider John the GOAT, uh, I think he just needs to get help, dude. You know, I think he just needs to get professional help from uh, from somebody that's non-biased and somebody that could just keep it real with him and let him know the facts. Is hey, man, this is where you're leading down. You know, this is the way you're going, and you know, you, you got to learn how to play the games of life. You got to learn how to play these rules, and if not, I mean. You know, it's 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 this is gonna happen periodically. I'm not I, at this point. I don't think nobody's surprised, Schmo. Are of you course, surprised? That's what the that's what Dana White said. Uh, the Schmo can't be surprised, man, because listen, when you're around a ceremony like this, there's gonna be drinking, there's gonna be festivities afterwards. You need to have people around you that know how to tell you no. People around you that you respect enough that say, hey, you can't do this. Go to bed. Call it early. None of this. None of that focus on the task at hand and it seems like there's no one around him that has that type of power around john jones to say enough is enough focus on the task at hand stop it already it hasn't happened yet and until that person is in his life or that group of people are in his life it's gonna keep happening yeah of course but this is the thing man we, we have to have compassion for him too because he lost his mother man like you know what i mean like he he had done things in the past but never to this extreme you know, so I, I, I got to just let me say, man, I got a lot of love for John Jones, man, but I just don't know, man. He probably needs to come up. He probably needs to come up with me and Uncle Mike and maybe try the toad, man. Maybe completely change his life and see what uh see what we can actually do, man. Come in, come into more of the, uh you know, a natural path medicine, which might be, uh which at this point, I don't know, Shmo. You know, you just, you would substitute weed or cocaine or whatever it is, you know, into mushrooms and and maybe some other organic stuff, but whatever he's doing is not working. Yes, and with that said, the top moment for this show and the schmo, drum roll please. You gotta give it to Dan the Hangman Hooker and even his opponent, who unfortunately there's always a winner and loser who lost, Nasrak Hakparas, man. Dan the Hangman Hooker, listen man, his last fight, it was in Abu Dhabi, he got not knocked out by Michael Chandler in his USA debut, USC debut, but here's one thing that no one's really talking about, in Fight Island, the schmo was there for that fight, he had his training partner in his corner, he didn't have that whole city kickboxing team, Eugene Behrman was not in his corner, he didn't have Frank Hickman, his wrestling coach in his corner, this night, last night, Saturday night, on the fight night, he did, and I'm not saying, listen, man, your corners make all the difference. You can comment on that, but it definitely helps your confidence. It definitely helps between rounds to have somebody holding the water, putting the ice, and telling you strategy, go here, go there, whatever. You saw Dan, the hangman hooker, come back, get the W. Both these men, visa issues, 
facing the adversity. Nas Rod, he had to deal with his tragedy. I mean, listen, but both these guys overcame. They made weight, and that's the Schmo's top moment. Dan, the hangman hooker, love that he called out Benil Dariush, number three. He's the only one in that lightweight picture there that doesn't have an opponent. Maybe it's December they dance. We love that. Dan, the hangman hooker, man. Kudos to you. You are the Schmo's top moment of the week. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, the pillow fight segments. These are going to be the hypothetical fights that should be made. Triple C is going to become the matchmaker, and let's get this thing going. Pillow fights. Who should? Pillow fights. Here we go, man. For Alexander Volkanovsky, because he comes to mind. Of course, it would have to be Triple C, the greatest combat of all time, versus that overgrown midget Alexander Volkanovsky. But if it does, but if Triple C doesn't get it, I tell you what, Schmo, they are sleeping on your ear, Rodriguez. I think he's the toughest matchup for all of these guys is because of his length and his kicks. Nobody's kicking Volkanovsky. I do believe with a good game plan that Yair Rodriguez is going to beat Max Holloway. You heard it here first, Schmo. So you think that Yair in the next upcoming months beats Max Holloway and that he will be next then for Of, of course, of course. I think styles make fights. And I believe if, if you take away Max Holloway's hands... There's one thing that he always leaves behind, and it's that front leg kick. It's that, it's that lead leg kick, I'm sorry. It's always there. If he can time that and kick that, I tell you what, Yair kicks hard. And I believe that Yair Rodriguez could get the victory. Let's move on to your favorite bantamweight champion, Eljamain Sterling. He's out of the rematch with Pewter Jan. I don't think the recovery timetable is up to par. Who should be the replacement for Pewter Yan? First of all, let me stop fight. you there, Schmo. Like, Jesus, man. Al Jermaine, Al Jelaine, Sterling, Jesus, man. Dana White, strip him. That's two times. He was out at the event. He was cornering somebody. This guy Rob. just wants to He's hold down. Marab. Yeah, exactly, man. Man, dude, if you're that hurt or whatever, like, especially Marab, you sure you have another coach set in it? Like, you should never replace somebody because somebody got hurt or injured out of a fight. I think I think he should be stripped. And honestly, the fight leading forward to that, the winner, uh, now that I believe they're going to do an interim, is that right, Schmo? Yes. Who's going to be in that interim title fight matching up against Peter Jan? I personally, I personally think it should be Peter Young and uh, and Corey Sanhagen. I think that's a much more competitive fight than uh, than Aljamain fighting Peter Young again because I do believe with the length of uh, of Corey Sanhagen and if if he if he's able to kind of find his reach and find that rhythm, he could literally knock out uh, the same way that he knocked out Frank Yeager. He could catch Peter Young because if you notice that fight with him and Aljamain Sterling, Aljamain Sterling caught him with a couple with a few blitz knees. Just didn't have the right precision, right power. Corey Sanhagen is proven to throw that knee that's extremely dangerous. So I do believe that Corey Sanhagen and uh, Peter the Ugly Potato Young should fight next. Now, what about Valentina Shevchenko, man? She's never lost at 125. No one's beaten her, man. She's dominating out there. What's next for Valentina? Nobody's beating Valentina because nobody necessarily has a game plan. Don't get me wrong. To me, she is pound for pound the best female athlete in the UFC. I'm going to even have to put her above Amanda Nunes. But there Who's is beating her person. twice? Yes, but remember, she's never really been a 35-pounder. I think if they're to do a catch weight at 130 pounds, that's how you make it fair. And I guarantee you, I put my money 
on Valentina. But there's no fight. belt at 130, man. What's you know that you Dana created? Says you created BMF. Let me look at Dana, man. Dana Weiss could create a BMF, BMF, like you know what I'm saying? Like uh, George Masvidal has the belt, still carries it, walks around with it. I mean, why can't you just make another one for females? I think it makes perfect sense. But I will say this, Schmo, there is one girl that I feel like with the proper game plan and with wrestling could really actually. There's a couple girls that'll. I know who you're gonna today. say. You're training with her right now. She came down to fight ready just for you. Who's that? Whaley. Are you going to say Whaley is one of those females? <laughs> Stay tuned. Not just Whaley. Whaley's got another battle. She has to beat Rose Namajunas first. But I'm going to have to say Alexa Grasso because she's got powerful hands and she's able to close distance. And she's big for that weight class. She was always big for 115. And I believe she's just a perfect size at 125 pounds. And the other one that I'm going to mention is Brian Ortega's fiance, Tracy Cortez. Because remember, she may not have the best hands, but I tell you what, there's one thing that she has that everybody is missing, Smo! And that is wrestling! Well, she has to. I mean, she trains with you. She better have that wrestling. But the Triple C, man, didn't you once upon a time call out Valentina? Why aren't you putting your name in the running for that intergender well, goal? Yeah, of course, man. As soon as uh, you know, President Joe Biden opens that up, I am ready to become the first and only intergender UFC champion in history. And finally, introducing what will become your favorite segment of the week. We all know there's a red corner. There's a blue corner. But we have the king of cringe with us on this show. So introducing Henry Cejudo's Cringe Corner. Jesus, I love it, man. The king of cringe loves this segment because there's nobody else cringier right now at this point or thirstier than Connor the McTapper McGregor. I mean, Schmo, come on, dude. This dude, you see him throw out the first pitch? I mean, 50 Cent would laugh at that pitch that he threw out the Cubs game. I mean, this guy is trying to fight Megan Fox for crying out loud. I mean, he's out here calling out uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. He wants to fight him. I mean, he's just out of his, he's just out of his mind. I mean, he really should be doing rehab. And I'm not talking about his damn ankle. I'm talking about the Alcoholic Anonymous. Conor McGregor, get your shit together. But for that reason, you are the winner of this week's Cejudo's Cringe Corner. I just can't believe he left the jacket on. Come on, Triple C. You've thrown out a first pitch. You've thrown out a first pitch in Chicago, man. He threw it in the stands. Strike every time, but guess what, Schmo? There's only one Triple C. That wraps up the inaugural episode of the Triple C and Schmo Show. Expect different things every single week, but you can always expect the cringe. And this man, what's your name? I am Triple C. And I am the Schmo. We will deliver. We ain't here to take part. We're here to take smoke.